This is the Ezra podcast. This weekend, we have Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin, number three. In a fight that's, you know, I think some people believe it's beyond the point of when it should have been made. I, I pretty much, I think everybody's in agreement for that one. Um, politics got in the way. The weird thing is they were on the same side of the street, but didn't seem like when Canelo uh, was with Golden Boy, Golden Boy signed the deal with DAZN, didn't see like Canelo was on board of fighting Triple G, which was the fight that DAZN was kind of looking for when he brought up there, right? That was be the fight that was going to bring all the attention to them and generate all this buzz, and they're riding off the the great fight in the number two versus uh, the Triple G Canelo number two. They're riding off that buzz, so they thought, okay, we'll have the number three, the trilogy, and it'll be on DAZN, and people have to go and download the app to find it. And that was Canelo had other plans. Then the whole lawsuit happens with Golden Boy, and they can't find the right opponents for Canelo. And then Triple G says, I'm not fighting anyone for real. I got to deal with you guys. I'll just fight whoever uh, you guys get your hands on, um, you know, that I'll agree to. And it's, it's kind of like just tune up after tune up after tune up for Triple G. And then Canelo leaves Golden Boy, and then he signs a match room, and then he ends up on the zone, and he fights, you know, what people are saying that he's the Euro Tour. I, I think, you know, that's kind of like putting down what he did. But I think he, it was. Uh, I think he accomplished a lot in that point. I think Triple G hasn't really faced anyone, and you know the only glimpse we have of seeing if Triple G is still relevant or still has something left was his fight with Murata. I think his fight with Murata was a good test. I think it was probably going to be the best, honestly, the best middleweight matchup of the year. So that's saying something about the middleweight division. And I think I thought Murata was number five in my opinion at the middleweight division. I thought Triple G was number one, and when he won that fight, he solidified himself spot at number one by being the number five guy. Now I did see weaknesses in that fight. I did see openings. I did see him, you know, slowing down in that fight. That's just the truth of it. And I don't want to. I never go on here to diminish a fight. I don't want to diminish a fight. I want to build a fight up. I want to bring excitement. But I have to be honest too. And I think that the more you know the more interested you'll be in the fight. I really do. You ever someone go watch a movie and they'll tell you everything they just saw in the movie. They'll be like, oh, you won't believe this movie last night. And then you're like, this happened. And then, you know, they're telling you the whole story. And they'll give you like the, even the plot twist. And you'll be like, damn, that, that movie sounds good. I got to go watch it. Even though you know everything. This person ruined everything for you. But the real excitement they have and them telling you and telling you all the exciting parts makes you want to see and capture it yourself that moment. So I'm hoping that I give you enough information about this fight and just bring awareness really to this fight because I think that's a lot of times what the promoters don't do. They don't bring awareness. They don't get you involved in the storyline. They try to throw, um, to me, it's just like big headlines. And I don't know. To me, I'm like the more entrenched someone is with the storyline, I think that the more they are likely to follow it. That's just my personal opinion. And I think that knowing that Triple G is older, and I do think that there's show signs of slowing down. I think it does make, I think, well, I think you have to know that going in, first of all, especially if you're not like a diehard fan or you're not a consistent fan of boxing, you're not watching all the time, keeping up with the storylines. You, you have to know that going in. But you also have to know that this fight's at 168 pounds. And you have to know that the last fight I saw at Triple G was at 160. So him going up and wait, is it going to do anything for him? It might give him a boost, right? Might not have to cut all this weight. He might uh, feel more energetic. Might feel stronger. Might have a little more power. And Golovkin with a little more power is very dangerous. Now he's fighting Canelo, who's very comfortable at 168, but did move up to 175. 
took a beating for it, right? Lost to Bavol, clearly. Now he's coming back down. Now we do have examples of guys going up too far and having to work their way back down. And it's not quite work, it works out the way they think. You got Roy Jones going to heavyweight and coming back down to fight Harvard. This happens, right? With fighters, uh, towards the end of their career, usually it happens where guys go up and weigh and trying to find something. And then suddenly they're like, oh, they lose back. So I'm going to come back down. And then they come back, not the same guy. So there is that thing for Canelo. Also, versus Canelo versus Bavoli just kind of looked flat, like really flat. It looked like he didn't have anything behind his shots. Now, to me, I think personally that's because that weight was too big for him. But maybe it was a little bit signs of Canelo slipping. Right, or maybe it was just Canelo facing elite competition that he hasn't faced in a while, and maybe this Euro Tour was guys that weren't at that level, so he got to shine against lesser competition. Now, what Golovkin did show the Marauder fight, he just showed that when he does work through it, and as he gets as he's getting older, it's going to take a few rounds to get warmed up. But when he does get warmed up, he can still box. He's still very smart. He's still very good at placing his shots. The power is still there. He can still break you down. He still has all that. Now, I think it takes a few rounds to get started up. And I think that fighting Canelo, taking a few rounds to start up, who Canelo is kind of cautious to start off a fight, usually likes to take his time to get started, right? Find his rhythm, uh, find where he's going to place his shots. That might benefit Triple G. So I'm curious if Canelo comes out fast in this fight, comes out like Murata came out and looks to put it on him because you have to say, you would have to think that he saw Murata do that and have to think, well, I'm better than Murata. And if Murata's landing on Triple G early like this, if I put pressure on Triple G, I'm going to land way cleaner, way faster shots, way cleaner shots, and I think more power, especially 168 pounds. So this is a chance that Canelo just jumps right on Triple G early in this fight and tries to get him to the body and tries to wear him down because you do see signs of Triple G getting wear down to the body. Now, if you go back to the second fight with Canelo and Triple G, and some people think it's controversial. Some people think that Triple G won that fight. Some people think it's a robbery. Now, if you go and look at uh, Broadway Joe's YouTube page, we did an official score of the Triple G Canelo fight, number two. And it wasn't a robbery. It wasn't. You can clear this. It was a close fight, but I thought it was clearly a Canelo fight. Now, I think that a lot of times you get swayed by what your personal opinion is of Canelo or, you know, what, what way you want the fight to go. Or maybe a guy outperforms what you expect, so you start scoring rounds for him. All these things can happen. Sometimes you're just not paying attention. You're just watching a fight and not really scoring, and you just feel like a guy won. But when you score, then you get a different story. I don't think that was a robbery at all. I think it was a close fight, and Canelo won it. But there were things that Triple G did in it that were very good, and especially the second half of the fight. He starts moving around, and he starts boxing. Right, started jabbing, staying behind the jab, moving around, uh, making Canelo come to him, walking Canelo into shots, getting better defensively. Now, it reminded me a little bit of Andre Ward Kovalev number one in the second half of that fight. You had seen that Andre Ward had figured out Kovalev, and going into the second fight, at least in my mind, I thought, well, Andre Ward's gonna run through him because he already f- figured him out in the last fight. It's going to be a continuation of what he figured out. And Andre Ward's so very smart that if he figures it out, then he's going to remember it and he's going to apply all that, his whole training camp, to what he figured out, and then he'll apply it to the rematch. I knew that was going to happen. I knew he was going to beat Kovalev in the rematch. Now, Triple G, I thought, figured out something in 
in the number two fight in the second half of it. I thought he figured something out. I thought he was he had figured out a little bit of the distance. He had figured out that he could box Canelo. He figured out um, his space, his timing. I thought I thought he had figured some stuff out. Now, can he continue that right away in the number three fight? Everything he learned, can he apply that right away? Or is it going to be like the Murata fight? Or is it going to be like Canelo fight number two, honestly, where it takes him a few rounds to get started. It takes him a few rounds to get going again, and he can't keep that going. He has to fill it in the ring, right? And now that he's a little bit older, he's got to get started and get it warmed up. A lot of people assume that older fighters are better early and, and worse late, and that's not necessarily the case. And I actually think the case would be well, there's way more proof to show that older fighters are better late in fights. We look at Brown Hawkins versus Jermaine Taylor. Whereas he'll be better in that fight later. If you look at Braun Hawkins and basically every fight after Jermaine Taylor, he's better later in the fight. Actually, a lot of times he's trying to set you up to go later rounds. So is Canelo going to have to take that time to get started? How much damage is he going to take from that point that when he gets started, is he going to be able to get really get going or is it just going to be too much damage added up to that point? Another thing in the, the second fight was Triple G got a lot of work done when Canelo would take breaks and he would have dips in energy. Now, Canelo would have uh, quite a few dips in energy in that fight. When Canelo's going, though, and he's throwing uh, punches and bunches, Triple G really couldn't do anything. And I thought Canelo was just teeing off on him. And Canelo was countering very well in that fight as well. Because when he was his aggression was forcing Triple G to react, and then he would counter off of that. So when Canelo was had good uh, stamina and he had good energy in a round, he would dominate the round. He'd win the round clearly. It was the 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 dips in energy, the dips in cardio and stamina that allowed Triple G to get rounds and start working his game. And in the second half of the fight, you kind of see Canelo slow down, and that allowed Triple G gain a few rounds in that fight. Now I think Canelo finishes strong, but that could also be a sign of why Triple G has success in the fight. Because he did get better defensively, too. I noticed in the Murata fight, he gets better defensively second half of the fight. In the Canelo fight, he got better defensively. And he starts moving, starts moving his head. He starts getting out of distance. I don't think Triple G is going to be able to start like that. I think it's going to be a lot more like what we saw versus Murata. And I think Canelo's going to jump on him. And I think Canelo's going to look to bury, uh, bury him to the body. And I think that Canelo's going to know that he's going to have to take a few rounds to get going. And if we jump on him early, we might be able to get him out of there, especially if he looks how he looked during the Murata fight. In the third, fourth round where he just looks like he's about to break, honestly. That's what I took from it. Now, in the Murata fight, he found out that if I could just move this guy, turn him, it takes him a long time to set up. And then when he does get set up, right, Galef could start throwing the jab. So then he he would get stuck, right? Murata couldn't punch it between. He got stuck and then would have to reset. And that allowed uh, Triple G, to, when he got him stuck, he would be able to combo off him. Then Triple G started throwing the right hand, but starting to throw it softly. Just touching him out like a jab. And that would get Murata stuck. Now, those two moves right there, the jab is going to be very important for Golovkin. He's going to have to jab in this fight. He's going to have to control Canelo. Now, Canelo, the way his defense works is a lot of upper body movement. So if you can't jab him consistently, he kind of gets stuck in that position and he will come up short with his counters. Like Triple G did the Murata fight, the straight right hand where he doesn't have a lot on it. He just kind of throws it out there at, with length. And he, if he could force Canelo to get stuck in positions and force Canelo to have to 
counter and look to uh, react from too far away. Then you can walk them into stuff. But if you can't do that, right, and Canelo just puts it on him early, and Triple G's going to look to ride that out until he can get started, I think that's going to be too much damage from that point. I think that Triple G will, is going to take too much damage early in this fight. I think Canelo's going to get to him and get to the body. I think Canelo's going to control this fight early on with a jab. He's going to jab his way in. He's going to get to the body. He's going to look to uh, push the pace on Golovkin. And I think that's, that Golovkin's going to look to trade, but it's going to be uh, a faster pace than he wants early, and he's not going to be warmed up early, and I think it's not going to be as sharp. And I think he's going to take a lot of shots. I think the shots will start to add up three, fourth, fifth round. I think the Canelo starts dro- is dropping uh, Golovkin. I think he breaks him to the body. And I think once you see um, Golovkin no longer able to hold up on that, I think it's just all going to start crumbling from that point. I'm going to take Canelo in a fifth-round stoppage in this fight. I think that the shots are going to add up early. I think the damage is going to add up early. And I know that they want Triple G to box, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that until he gets warmed up and finds his distance and finds his timing. And his defense is a lot poorer early in a fight than it is later in a fight. And I don't think he's going to be able to keep his um, offense consistently going to keep Canelo off of him. Now, I think the first two rounds could be very interesting in this fight, but I just don't think you're going to see a sharp Triple G early. I think it takes time for him to get in, and if Canelo gets going quick, which is not really Canelo's forte, but if he does get going quick, and if you remember in the Bavol fight, he did try to do that early, so it's not like he hasn't didn't kind of prepare for that in the last fight that he doesn't do it in this fight. I'm going to pick Canelo in a fifth-round stoppage. I think the body shots are really going to add up. And I understand that Golovkin, you know, no one stopped Golovkin. No one's even heard Golovkin like that since, like, what, Durinchenko? But there were signs always there that it's just kind of not being able to take the punches like before. And maybe that's because his he can't get his shots off like before. So guys are able to a little bit tee off more than they were before. I think Canelo's going to really control this fight. I think he's going to look pretty dominant. I think the comeback to 168. He's going to kind of show everyone that he's back at 168 pounds. Now, if Golovkin can survive the onslaught early, or if Canelo makes a mistake and lets Golovkin catch his rhythm, the second half of this fight, Golovkin's going to have success. Yes. Now, I don't know if he could win this fight because I don't think he's going to win enough early rounds. And I think that even if he has success in the second half of the fight, I still think there'll be back and forth rounds to it. But if Golovkin starts getting on his legs and he starts moving, and turning Canelo and jabbing and being able to jack consistently and find his timing and find his defense, right? Defensive range. I think he gets a pretty interesting fight in the second half. Maybe even a pretty competitive fight. I don't think this fight's going to be competitive on the scorecards, though. I think that Canelo's going to win enough of the early first half and then split the second half with Triple G if that's the way it goes. But I, you're going to have to really see Triple G survive um, a lot of damage in this fight. Now, I was noticing that Triple G's uh, was a lot more muscular in the Murata fight. Now, I'm not suggesting anything like that because I don't know, right? I don't know. It, it could be like uh, someone suggested he got a nutritionist. They never had one before. He got it for this. He did. He just looked more muscular in that fight. He looked stronger. Just, I'm saying, like physically, like from just like the eye test of looking at him, right? And I was thinking about when Marquez in his last fight with Pacquiao, 
he had had a tune-up fight, and it, it wasn't like he knocked that guy out cold. He 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 won the fight, but it was like I don't think anyone watched that fight and was like, "Oh, I built all this confidence that he's going to beat Pacquiao now." I don't think anyone saw that, and probably I actually probably won in that fight and thought, "Oh, Pacquiao's going to run through this guy. Look, at he just went twelve with this guy, and this guy who who is he, right?" But Marquez goes and knocks out Pacquiao that fight. And if you remember anything about Marquez, he gets really big and muscular for that fight. Very strong. And I, I just brought similarities to me the Glovkin versus Murata. And Murata is a little better than I think people are maybe even familiar with him or people that are familiar will give him credit for it, but I think he's a little bit better than that. And you see, I see the triple G's and, you know, his, his body is, like I said, more muscular, so he's tip-top shape. He's trying to add strength as he goes to 168 pounds. And the, just similarities of that with Marquez versus Pacquiao and Golovkin versus Canelo, the third one, in the when it was Marquez versus Pacquiao, I think it was the fourth one. And, you know, sometimes the guys are so good, like a Golovkin, especially what I thought Marquez and Pacquiao, was that you get, Pacquiao just gave Marquez way too many looks. And it was one of those things, like, if you fight 100, you know, these guys are so good, but if you fight them 100 times, right? Like, maybe Pacquiao does win um, 70 of them. But Marquez is so good that he's going to win 30 of them. You know what I mean? Golovkin's very good. And him seeing you more and more, I think he's going to learn more about you and be able to use things uh, against you, right? And catch flaws and get more comfortable in the ring with you. Now, he's getting older, like I said, and that's mostly why I'm leaning Canelo very big in the fight. But let's just say that he looks sharper in this fight. He has a good energy and he doesn't look old. Is he seeing enough of Canelo where he's like, I just, I, I know his mistakes now. I, I know where I could catch him. What I saw in the second of that fight, I, I, I know I could continue that. I know what he's going to walk into. And what if he lands something big and puts Canelo out? And at four years old, Triple G gets the biggest win of this rivalry with a knockout. What does that do for Triple G in his career? I mean, he could walk off to the sunset with that, but I think that, that there'd be too much money fights calling for him, and I believe that he's a free agent after this fight. That's just one. I remember one of the rumors I heard that he can go anywhere, and you would have to think that he would start listening to the Charlo fight or a Mangia fight, which I mean, honestly, would be would probably be a lot of money and way win, more winnable fight for him. But he would also have the possibility of Charlo, which I think there would be a, a lot of money if he just gets off beating Canelo and then goes and fights Charlo. He could also fight Canelo for number four. I, I think the money would be too much for Triple G just to walk away. I think that if he does win, I think every fight would be tough from that point on out because you would just have to cash out the paydays and he's too old to be doing like tune-ups and all that and risking it. And stay busy fights. But I believe that's the direction it would go. He would be the champ at 168. He could go fight Charlo. Munguia. And you know. Get another payday. And it's not like out of if he beats Canelo. Right? It's not out of the it's not out of the realm. That he could beat Charlo. It's, not, it's definitely not out of the realm. I, think I would pick him against Munguia right now. And he could just kind of continue this rolling a little bit, and even in his forties, right? And the one thing that doesn't we know that doesn't go is the power. And he's got technical ability that maybe could carry it and age his game a little better. So that would be, I mean, stunning, of course, but it'd be very interesting and probably uh, it's not bad for boxing. 
if Canelo were to lose a Triple G. It's, that's just the truth. I mean, a fight with Charlo would be huge. A fight with Mangi would be huge. Now, if Canelo wins how I expect him to win, then he's going to have a tough tough, uh, a tough choice ahead of him, right? He would have the third fight with Matchroom. I believe it's an option, but maybe, I don't know, he's locked in. Who knows? And he could fight Bavol in a rematch. In a match, I don't think he has any chance of winning. For you to believe that he could win that fight, you would have to believe that he was like food sick going into the last one or something like that because he didn't have any juice. And I think it was because the weight. And I think that not just the weight, but also the skill of Bavol. And if you're going to fight a guy like Bavol, you kind of want to at least be on the level playing field as far as weight. And your power is going to matter, especially because Canelo kind of needs his power to matter. I just don't think he could beat Bavol. So I think going to fight Bavol, after beating Triple G would really just kill momentum again. And I don't, I just don't think that's a good idea. I think you, if you don't have the next fight with Matchroom, go fight Charlo, go fight Benavides. Solidify, because, you, you know, he's already the king of 168, but if these are the challengers, go and beat those challengers, which are mega fights. I think they're very huge, especially with Showtime behind it, with the PBC behind it. And then you see where you go from there, and you just let let everything else play out from there. But I think that's the direction you go. I don't I don't think the Bavol fight's a good idea. I just don't think a fight he can win. I just don't, I don't think he can win that. I can't see how he wins that. I honestly think if he won and and did win that, it'd be one of the most amazing things I've seen in boxing, honestly, because it just does not seem possible. I I watched that fight a few times now, and I just don't see an opening where it's like, yeah, this is what Canelo can do to win this fight. He's always going to come up short, in my opinion. It could, it could get worse. I don't think it could get better. I think it could get worse. On the undercard of this fight, we have Jesse Bam Rodriguez versus Israel Gonzalez. Uh, Bam Rodriguez is, you know, the next big thing in boxing, it feels like. He's a, a star. I think the diehards all about him. You know, he's in the lower weight, so it's like we don't know if the casuals are going to catch on to him. But if anyone's the casuals are going to catch on to in the lower weight classes, um, Bam Rodriguez is it. He's entertaining to watch. He has a very uh, charismatic style in the ring. Beautiful leg movements, beautiful angles. Offensive. Constantly doing something. You, you can't be bored watching him. You really can't. Find Israel Gonzalez, who was in tough with every. He's been in tough with everyone, but has not been able to get over the hump. So, you know... Lose all the good guys, you're probably never going to be at that level. You know what I mean? If you were at that level, you probably would have pulled off one of these wins. But he's only missed off once, and that was in the, I believe, the 10th round versus uh, Ankayas. But he's, he won the distance with Chocolatito. And I think he's a very interesting fighter. I, don't, I think he's a, he's a good fighter. I don't think he's at Bam's level. But what I'm curious is, Bam at a 115 pounds, can he consistently stop fighters? And a guy like Israel Gonzalez, who isn't a guy that's a guy who's only been stopped once, but has fought a lot of tough guys. And he has a style where, you know, depending on which one he chooses to do, because he can move around the ring and walk you into stuff. And then he can also, uh, you know, look to exchange with you and trade with you shots and combinations. And he's not the most pinpoint with the shots. And he doesn't, um, his shots come from, kind of weird angles and sometimes his legs are you know he can he's good movement but sometimes like he's not punching in between movement basically is he he moves sets and lets you walk into a space where he's able to combinate uh, be a, throw combos off you 
Now, if in this fight he chooses to box a little bit, and that's a strategy I would think to go about with Bam, to make Bam move, make Bam use his angles, and make Bam... You've got to remember one thing about Bam's style is it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort to be moving and switching and popping in different spots and bending. It, it's a lot of leg movement. And when you use your legs that much, especially like the explosive moves he has, you're going to burn out, right? You're going to get tired. It just is. You're going to have a dip in your energy. Especially also another important thing, and this is the same problem Lomachenko has, who has kind of a similar style to Bam, is you're always in range, right? They believe in their legs so much and they're... um the ability to circle you and give you angles that they could be out of range, but they're still in punching range, right? They may not be right in front of you, but you're still in punching range. So you're going to get hit. You're it's hard to fight the perfect fight when you're constantly in punching range. Now we've seen Bam almost fight the perfect fight against, um, so Rumbasai. I thought it was about as great of a performance you could have. And I, and I said, that that's how that fight was going to look because so was not was not be able to keep all those angles. And if Bam was, stood discipline and didn't go too much into flurries, he wouldn't get caught in between the shots. That's what he did. But in this fight, Israel's a little bit faster. He's a little bit better with his legs. And his com- and he's not going to um, second-guess his combinations. He's not w- slow. He's not looking to land the perfect shot. He's going to let his stuff go. And if he's able to move around and Bam's going to have to follow him and be careful what's coming back to him. And not like Israel Gonzalez has power or anything like that, but he just is a good fighter with, it's always threatening you with something. I think that Bam's going to win this fight. I think he'll win it clearly. I think he will get a stoppage, but later in the fight, I think this fight's going to go rounds. And I think that he might finally break down Israel like in the 10th round, um, where Israel just kind of gets to a point where he starts trading and Bam's able to, kind of sit on his stuff a little bit more at his combinations. I think the straight left's going to be very important for him because I've seen Israel get dropped by that, by Ankayas. I think that'll be the shot in this fight, but I think it's going to take some effort for from Bam. I don't think Bam's going to be able to just run through him. If he does, that'd be very impressive. And it'll kind of just, you know, keep building the legend of Bam Rodriguez. But I think this fight goes rounds. I'm going to take Bam 10th round stoppage in this fight. Next fight I want to talk about is Austin Williams, Ammo Williams versus Kirion Conway. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a damn good fight, especially for uh, for Ammo. I think Ammo is slowly working his way up in the middleweight division. You got to remember one thing is he came to boxing late. He came to boxing at 18 years old. And a lot of the guys that come up in boxing have been fighting since they were kids, right? They've been boxing since they were kids and had the technique and know the tricks and have all the experience of sparring and the amateurs that, and you gotta think that Emma Williams is fighting since 18 years old he's 26 eight years and he's already getting to a top level of boxing it's, it's it's amazing and that's because of natural ability his natural ability and comfort in the ring and timing a lot of times when if you have natural timing and you understand your spacing right you can skip a lot of steps with just that because a lot of guys have been training their whole life and don't can't, can't figure that out. M. Williams has that figured out. Now, so he's rougher on the edges. He is, and he doesn't have, you know, he makes mistakes. Sometimes he's a little clunky with his movement. He doesn't look the smoothest, but he has power. He has speed, and like I said, the timing balance makes a very very scary fighter. Now, Kieran Conway, uh, I think when he got to a certain level, fought mostly at 154 pounds. His last fight, oddly enough, was at super middleweight, 167 pounds. 
But now he's coming to 160 and in a very tough fight. Because I don't think Conway has any really physical gifts, right, that make him stand out. I think his style is very basic. I think he's real tall, fights tall, um, doesn't have a lot of upper body movement. And, you know, kind of just fights on his technique, right? He found a technique that works for him, and he's just going to apply that. But he doesn't have really any creativity and nothing that just separates him from the pack. Now, he has a lot of experience. He's he's fought at a, a decent level already. And I think that he's going to offer a good challenge for Ammo. But I think if Ammo is who I think he could be and whose ability, you know, what ability allows him to do, a guy like Kieran Conway is just, just too basic for him to not land big shots. And I know that Conway does make a mistake where he drops his lead hand. I think Ammo is going to be able to take advantage of that. I'm going to take Ammo in this fight. I think it's going to go a few rounds. I think Conway's experienced enough. He's tough enough. He's skilled enough to go a few rounds. I'll take uh, Bam by stoppage in this fight, but maybe, you know, five, fifth or sixth round. I think it's taking a little time. Now, if he runs through Conway like nothing, right, and it's just completely one-sided, you have to start getting excited by Emma Williams because just, like I said, explaining everything about his raw ability, but if he's just running through these guys that are, you know, experienced fighters with a with good level competition, and he's running through them not, not like anyone's done before. You got you got to just say like, hey, this is this guy has something, and we got to pay attention to it, especially in the middleweight division where there's no one, really no one. If you got to insert talent like Austin Williams to it, it's it's going to get very interesting, and I think that he he could do that, and he we could see a really special performance from him this weekend. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going too soon. I'm going too soon. I'm doing a, a new segment here. I used to do a thing called Million Dollar Bets. Got a million dollars. I was going to bet it for a year and then see where I got to. And I was getting to $2 million, right? And this is all fake money. And I was getting to $2 million in bets. I was going to, like, as far as that's where I turned my million to another million, basically. And then I lost it all because I put the bet on I was doing like high, high odds, like I'm talking about minus three thousand type things, right? It was supposed to be like sure money, and then one of those guys lost, and it cost me it cost me all my fake money. So now I'm going to introduce this again, but these are just going to be fights that I le- covered on this podcast. As far as the Austin Williams fight versus Kieran Conway, I have Austin Williams by stoppage. That's minus one fifty two. A hundred bucks will win you sixty five seventy nine. I'm also going to take Bam over eight and a half rounds. These are even odds. So 100 will get it will get you 100. You bet 100, you're going to get 100 back. That's on top of the 100 you bet. Sometimes people don't understand that. I don't understand. If I bet 100 on that, it's even odds. When they pay me back, they're going to give me 200 if I win. They're going to give me the 100 I bet and then 100 on top of that, just in case that confuses you. I'm going to take Canelo to win um, 100 bucks. Just to win, it's minus 600 odds, so you win 16 bucks, 1667. I think sometimes he's got to take a sure thing. And I'm also going to take Canelo under seven and a half rounds so at plus 325, and I'm just going to bet 20 on that. That he goes 65 dollars. Now, a parlay that I, I like is Ammo, Bam, Canelo at minus 205, 100, 
wins 48-81. That's 420 betting total. Okay, I don't know what the mic turned out real quick. That, I said your, the parlay was Ammo Bam Canelo at minus 205, 100 to win 48.81. That's 420 betting total to win 296.37. Now, I'm not a betting person because I feel like I'll win one of these dumb bets and then go get super greedy with it. But I understand the 420 to win 296.96 isn't the most attractive thing, right? You want to win big money. I'm just going to bet on what I cover and what I feel comfortable telling you, uh, telling you that these, uh, I feel confident in these numbers. You can go parlay a whole damn card and, you know, bet, put 10 bucks and win a thousand. I've seen it done. I've seen it done, but I'm trying to get at least something that I feel confident in to you guys. So those are my bets for the week. This has been the Ezra podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.